Now, in verse 3, we have the word for. And uh, sometimes we can look at the word for and think of, of also the idea of because. In other words, we're going to get an answer for why we are doing this. Why are we worshiping in this way? Why is our worship so complete and so full and and so uh, engulfing of who we are? Why should our worship be that way? Well, it's because the Lord is a great God. He's a great God. He's a great king. By the way, we declare right here in the idea of a great God and a great king, his absolute supremacy is supreme, his, his preeminence in all things. And then it says, above all gods. Now, be sure you note, it says little g, above all gods. Okay, when it says above all gods, he's not acknowledging that any of the gods that man worships are gods in the sense of, of, of them having, you know, any rivalry towards him in the sense of, 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 of deity. But God's claimed by men. And all I could say is if we went back to Romans chapter one, uh, I think it's verse 25, where it says that, that the man was worshiping the creation rather than or the creature rather than the creator. And we were lifting things up and making gods and idols and, and, and stone gods and wooden gods and, and, and this type of thing. God is greater than all the things that man can come up with. He's above it all. He is the great God, great king. And what makes him great? Well, look at verse 4. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The earth is in his hands. The whole earth is in his hands. That from the depths to the heights are in his hands. And of course, the the thought comes to mind is the 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 old song, "He's got the whole world in his hands," which I will not sing, uh, and you'll be thankful. Uh, and but it's it's he has the whole world in his hands. He has the whole universe in his hands. He has all of the galaxies, all of creation is in his hands. That's how great a God he is. That's how awesome a God he is. And it says in verse 5, the sea is his. Why is the sea his? Well, he made it. And it says the dry land is, is, is his because he formed it. So he made, he formed, he has ownership because he created. He spoke it into existence. Go through the, 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 the creation chapters in Genesis and you look at what he has done. They are his. He owns it. He has ownership. He has brought us into the picture to be managers of what he has created. So this picture of, of, of what he has is... is he has the earth in his hands. He has the the, the mountains uh, are his. The sea is his. The dry land is his. He made them. He formed them. 
And then we come back into verse 6 and again, another invitation to worship. Now, this is a crescendo building here. It's getting bigger and bigger as we're going along here. It starts off with sing to the Lord, make a joyful noise. Then we come into his presence with thanksgiving. And then we start to say why, because he's a great God. He's a great king above all gods. He holds all things into his earth. You can feel the idea of it. This joyful noise coming from us, it is actually crescendoing. It's getting louder and larger as we look at it. And then again, the call. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our God, our maker. Come, let us worship and bow down. To bow down. To kneel is to acknowledge someone superior to anything that we are. In fact, for us, as we put other scripture together in this, we would see it is for us to come humbly before his throne. Can we come boldly in one sense? Yes, because he's invited us to do that through the blood of Christ, through Jesus as our Savior, through the rock of our salvation. But the other side is to do it humbly. Why humble? Why bowing down and, 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 and kneeling? Because we know in truth who and what we are. When we're honest with ourselves, we know our sins. We know our shortcomings. We know that we have no right to be before his throne, but by his invitation. He says, oh, come. Come to me. And in the process, our worship includes declaring he is a great God, declaring he's a great king, seeing him as creator of all things. We bow down and we worship him. We kneel before his throne. We honor and lift up the God who is creator of all things. He is the Lord, our maker. He has the right of ownership over all of us. He has the right of ownership over, we think of all of creation, but he has the right of ownership over all of us as well. That's what gives him the position of a righteous judge at the time of, of, of the judgment time. At verse 7, in the, the, the last part of it, it moves into a different situation. The last sentence of, 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 of verse 7 says, Today, if you hear his voice, and then into verse 8, do not harden your hearts as at Mirabah, as on the day of Massah in the wilderness. When your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. For 40 years I loathed the generation and said, they are a people who go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. Therefore, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Gosh, we went from such an exciting, beautiful picture of worshiping God 
to a picture of, of the opposite of, of God's judgment. But there's a warning that we are to see here. Before I go there, I, I, I skipped over something in verse 7 I, I, I really need to hit. In verse 7, uh, it's, it's, it says, For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture. We are the sheep of his hand. He is our God. He is my God, your God, our God. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. What is being said to us is that he is not only the great God, the great king. He is the rock of our salvation. He's all of these things that have been said already. He is our shepherd. We are his sheep. Again, this picture of ownership. As a shepherd. He is our protector. And because of his relationship with us, he tells us when he he talks about the good shepherd, he talks about the fact that he's not a hireling, but that he is actually in relationship with the sheep. These are his sheep. And so he is our protector. He, when, when something is, is, is coming after the sheep, he doesn't turn and run. But he stands between us and all the danger and all the threatening things that are out there. He guides us. He leads us. And I thought, where does he lead us? And he couldn't help but jump backwards to Psalm 23. He leads us into green pastures. Think about a place of rest, of comfort. A place to lie down and to rest and be safe. Because he is looking over us. He is protecting us. He is our shepherd. And I thought, what a, again, what an awesome picture. He's the God of all creation. He holds all of this in his hand. But he's also our shepherd. And he showed us how much of a shepherd he is by coming in the flesh. And being a shepherd here on earth. Teaching, guiding, leading. Sorry that I got off cue there and and jumped backwards. So then we come back to today if you hear his voice. Do not harden your hearts as at Mirabah. And, and, and. As in the day of, of Massah in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test and put the proof to uh, put me to the proof, though they had seen my work for 40 years, I loathed the generation and said, they are a people who go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. Therefore, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. This picture of today, if you hear his voice, the today refers back to. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. If you hear his voice, don't ignore it. Don't walk away from it. Don't act. And what he used here is a picture of the Exodus. 
going back into Exodus and Numbers talking about how the people were what? Complainers over and over and over again. After seeing all the things that God had done just in delivering them from Egypt, but then depart the Red Sea. And, and all constantly with them. And, and then as soon as there was a problem, as soon as there was any hint of, 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 of something that, that they couldn't see an answer to physically ahead of them, they started to complain. Where's the water? Where's the food? And God provided. The final thing was God says, I will. And you notice, if you read it really carefully, you understand, when they were to go into the promised land, God says he would lead them. He would go ahead of them. He would clear the way. But they sent the spies just to see the, the lay of the land and what was there. And somebody said, well, why, if God was going to go ahead and go and do this, why did he do that? It was so they would know how God was leading, what he was doing for them, how he was protecting them, how he was shepherding them, how he was their great God and their great king. Because when they came back, they said, woe is me, there's what? Giants in the land. There's no hope. There's no way we can do this. And God's response was, none of you will go in to the promised land. None of you will go into my rest. The promised land was the rest for the Hebrew people, a rest from their slavery, from the work that they had, you know, done, and, and to rest in God's provision. Did it mean that they would never have to work? No, that's not what it was all about. What it was was the idea of being the people of God that he would be nurturing, taking care of, and ministering to. He would be there with them. After his pronouncement that they would go back to the desert and wander for 40 years, not one of them would go in. They made an attempt to go in and take it on their own strength and were just absolutely thrashed. It was a, 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 they were right when they said, we can't beat these guys. It was true. They had a right assessment. What they were forgetting was that God says, I can. I'm going to. Just rest in me. And so what he's saying is, if you hear my voice and I call you to come and worship, have a confidence that you are worshiping, truly worshiping the great God, the great king. Be assured of what I can do for you, that I am the rock of your salvation. Put your faith in this. Have confidence. What was the problem with the Hebrew people? Uh, the, well, if we went to John uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 3, it would tell us the reason why they couldn't take the land was because they didn't have faith. God also says something very directly in Hebrews chapter 11. Without faith, you, you can't please God. To be in a, in a right relationship, you have to believe he can do and will do all that he says he can and will do. So where Jesus says, I have saved you, past tense, we have to rest with the confidence. He is the rock of salvation. It is a done deal. I can trust. There's nothing I can bring to the altar. 
He's done it all. It is finished according to the words on the cross. It's done. So, the author of Psalm 95 basically says, don't respond like the people of Exodus. Have a confidence, what is is implied. Now, if Jesus, if God is the rock of your salvation, then if your faith is confident in that, then there is a rest. And the primary thing that we rest from is the works to earn our salvation. There's a lot of other things. That word is much bigger than that. Don't don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But the idea is, is that first and foremost, we rest in God's grace, in his mercy, in his compassion, that the owner of who we are, the owner of all creation has intervened and covered our sins through the cross. And we rest in the rock of our salvation. In Hebrews, and I and I will read some of this uh, from chapter three, just uh, as it ties things together. Therefore, holy brothers, and and uh, it, it, there's a footnote that says, and sisters, holy brothers and sisters, you who share in the heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of your confession who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful to God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of the house, and more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house. As a son, this was hard for the, 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 the Jewish people to hear. Jesus is greater than Moses. You know? And and we are his house. If indeed notice we are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. What is our hope? Jesus Christ, the rock of our salvation. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, And then it quotes Psalm 95. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with their uh, generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, which is how this thing goes. Today he is calling you. If you hear him calling, he is calling us constantly. That none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence from the end. As it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who had who heard and yet rebelled? 
Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, Let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For God, for good news came to us, the gospel of Jesus Christ came to us just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we have believed, for we who have believed enter the rest as he has said. I swore in my wrath they shall not enter his rest, although his works were finished. From the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in his way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage he said, they shall not enter my rest. And what he's doing here is tying, the author here is tying it all together. The picture of the rest was a type all the way to Jesus resting from our works. In God's grace. As we approach communion this morning i'd like to look at hebrews chapter 2 real quick uh, verses 14 through 18 since therefore the children share in the flesh and blood he himself likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death that is the devil this is what he was writing before he talked about the you know the 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 wilderness uh, issues and deliver all those who have fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, we had to be made like his brother. He had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered, When tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. What we're seeing here is that by God, by Jesus coming in the flesh, he's been through everything that we have been through. He has been tempted in every way that we've been tempted in such a way that he knows and yet is sinless and has gone to the cross for us as our offering to cover us in every way. This is where we rest. He is indeed the rock of our salvation. So we have that picture clearly there. No wonder we come and say, you know, we worship and we bow down. We kneel before the Lord, our God, our maker. What an awesome God we have. So before we have communion, I'd ask uh, that uh, Naomi and Rebecca come back and, and uh, we'll sing a song for to prepare uh, for communion. And you note, uh, if it came in we had the communion packets out on the table if you didn't pick one up feel free while we're singing to go out and pick one up and because we're not passing the communion but sharing by using the packets Worship and bow.
down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our Maker. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture, and the sheep of His hand, just the sheep of His hand. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our Maker. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our Maker. For He is our God. And we are the people who love His pasture and the sheep of His hand, just the sheep of His hand. I mean, you think of the again. We used these words last week, and you know, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God, and the word was God. And then verse fourteen, the word became flesh. John chapter one, verse fourteen, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. God of all creation entered in. Philippians tells us that He did so. And became a servant. He humbled himself. Became a servant. Even to the point of death on the cross. That ultimately through his resurrection. Every knee would bow and what? Every tongue would confess. He is the rock of our salvation. The solid rock of our salvation. The immovable rock of our salvation. The cornerstone of our salvation. And... The night that he was betrayed, he said that to remember this this act of, of, of salvation and grace and mercy for us, he said that we would share the, 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 the bread in remembering that he came in the flesh. And again, let me remind you, it's not just the flesh that hung on the cross. He came in the flesh. The moment he emptied himself began the picture of, of his sacrifice. And he asked us as we would share this together 
that we would do it in remembrance of him. Let us share the Matthew tells us that at the same meal at the at the end of the supper, he took the cup known as the cup of blessing, the Passover meal, and he held it up. I believe something like this I might be, you know, to you. And he says, this is my blood poured out to purchase the covenant. And he's speaking of the covenant of grace, his mercy to cover our sins. What he was saying is his blood would be poured out. But that tells us that is that he died. He did die on the cross. The picture of the pouring out of the blood is that, that picture. Life is in the blood. He poured out his life for us that we might have eternal life. When he said the words, it is finished, he had accomplished the purpose. The price had been paid. Our salvation secured. Let us share in the cup. Jesus also shared, according to Matthew, that he told them that he wouldn't share this cup again until we were all gathered in his kingdom. I believe the marriage feast. And so that tells us that in addition to everything else, as we share in communion, we're sharing in the fact that he is coming again. Resting assured in these promises. Uh, so as we come to worship the rock of our salvation, all of this is the reason. So I, great God, great King, rock of our salvation. Father, we come this morning again to say thank you for the mercy and the grace that you've lavished out on us. We thank you, Lord, that we could come to worship you. Heart, soul, and mind through our relationship, through the salvation that Jesus Christ has purchased for us, and through his word that instructs us. We thank you for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that leads and guides and, and, and opens our eyes to your word. We ask that we would grow in strength and understanding of what it means is to be your children and to worship you. Lord, don't let us be satisfied with where we are today, but that to open your word, to study it more and more, and to see how it all comes together, Old Testament, New Testament, in such a way that we realize that the God of all creation, creator of all things, indeed is our Savior, and that we will be worshiping you. If we go clear to the end in Revelation, we will see ourselves, we will be worshiping you eternally. Always amazed at what the God of all creation has done for us. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand as we close? Uh, and uh, thank you for being here this morning. Lord bless. Have a good rest of the, the day. Uh, kind of all the smoke and stuff like that. Uh, anybody that's uh, got any breathing problems, take it easy. A little bit less outside, a little more inside, unfortunately. So. Uh, Be careful and Lord bless you. Joyful, joyful, we adore thee, God of glory, Lord of love. 
hearts unfold like flowers before thee, opening to the sun above. Melt the clouds of sin and sadness, drive the dark of doubt away. Giver of immortal gladness, fill us with the light of day. All thy works with joy surround thee, earth and heaven reflect thy rays. Stars and angels sing around thee, center of unbroken praise. Thou art giving and forgiving, ever blessing, ever blessed. Wellspring of the joy of living, ocean depth of happy rest. Thou art Father, Christ our brother, all who live in love are thine. Teach us how to love each other, lift us to the joy divine. Mortals join the mighty chorus, which the morning stars began. Father, love is reigning for us. Brother, love binds man to man. Ever singing, march we onward. Victors in the midst of strife. Joyful music lifts us onward in the triumph song of life. Sorry, the smoke is getting to me. <laughs>